Welcome to Your Hell Yes Life, the podcast that celebrates women who are following their yes and living life on their own terms. I'm your host, Zaya B, best-selling author, artist, explorer, and cheerleader for women tossing should to the curb. With each episode, I'll bring you inspiring stories and practical tips from brave, bold women. So tune in, get ready, and let's trailblaze your hell yes life. Hello, your hell yes life trailblazers. Today on the show, we are honored to have Dr. Nancy Schmidt joining us from Bulgaria. Nancy and her family have always lived a life on their own terms. They have been road schooling and homeschooling on and off for the last 12 years and have visited almost all of the national parks and states in the U.S., Just this last year, they started their world schooling journey traveling across Europe and Central America. And as I said, they are now in Bulgaria and on their way to Montenegro. Currently, Nancy is a remote professor of communication who likes to think of herself more as a facilitator of interchange. This year, she has been called to start a transformational coaching business to serve and impact more people who are ready to change. I am so excited to have Nancy, and I'm so excited that you get the chance to learn about her. She is a humble but strong woman who has a new friend, and every time we talk, I see even more of her magic. The other thing that happens every time we talk is that we realize that we have more in common. So we found out that we actually had the same job in our 20s working for a large consulting firm. I was in New York wearing suits and rushing around. Nancy was in San Diego, still working hard, still doing a great job, but surfing at lunch with her colleagues. So... I think we can tell who won. And we have other similarities that we'll probably get shown as well today. We're both done individual travel. We're both explorers at heart, curious about ourselves and the world. So welcome, Nancy. Thank you. Glad to be here. Let's just jump right on in. I know in your 20s, you did have more of a focus on the typical type A, accomplishment, achievement, driven kind of things. You worked for a large consulting firm. You did your PhD. And now, not to say that you're not accomplishing things, but it doesn't seem like it's your number one priority. It's all about connection, being with your family, connecting with the world, connecting with yourself. Can you share about some of the pivotal decisions or moments that led you to this new path? Yeah, sure. Oh, my gosh. Um, there are probably a few that happened along the way, but I would say um, really when the kids came along, I was teaching at a university in Washington state and my first one came along and it really changed my whole outlook on life. And I didn't think it would do that. So that was like surprise number one. Right. And I was um, conflicted between this degree that I got in this job that I had and I'd worked my way up to that point and thinking to myself, oh my gosh, I, I don't, I can't just let it all go. Right. And, but I was feeling that I was feeling, I wanted to be a mom and I did it one day after a horrible thing happened to me. I dropped off Tannis at the daycare and my body just started um, tingling all over. I felt this heat just rise up above my neck and came down my arms and, um, I started crying uncontrollably and it was really scary. It's like one of the most scary things I've ever experienced. And I had to stop and pull over and it took me a couple hours to really recover. And it was my body telling me, you don't want to do this. You don't want to continue to be a professor. Why are you doing that? Why are you choosing this? And so I really had to take a hard look at 
what was going on there. And I chose to be a stay-at-home mom. So even after all of those, these other accomplishments and things, I knew my body was telling me and I listened to it. And I really, really focused in on what was happening there, my intuition to just be and be with my little, beautiful, wonderful, wonderful child at the time. And that was a real surprise. So that was a huge pivotal moment for me going from do, 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 um, get the degree, get the job to being just more connected, I think, with another little human. So that was pretty amazing for me. Wow. To have such a strong reaction. And then also, it's amazing and wonderful that you were so connected that you really understood exactly what was going on and then had the courage to act on it. That is a massive change to let go of that. Part of it from an ego perspective of you're not going to have that the kudos, the tap on the back for those types of achievements anymore. But then also the finances, I would imagine that there was a a pretty big adjustment you had to make with your husband to make that financially work, which we still live in a a world that requires money. So I don't think we should underplay that that is a, a big change. And I just think it's so beautiful that you recognize that and you were able to honor that bond with your child and and spend the time with him. Just life-changing for you and for him. So kudos to you. Oh, thank you. And you're absolutely right when you say the the pride. The pride was a huge one and it gets in the way a lot, but I always go back and I try to center myself and say, no, what is it that I want? What is it that my family needs? What is it that my husband and I have talked about? And pride can really rear its ugly head. So that was a really huge one. And a lot of friends and family, questioned uh, my decision as well. So absolutely. Sometimes taking the road less traveled or um, taking a road that people don't expect, it's a really uh, brave thing to do for sure. Absolutely. So how did you deal with that, with the family and friends questioning you? You know, I had a lot of good information because I was talking from my heart and um, they listened to that. It definitely took time to um, change the budget around and and talk about those things. But we did that. We made decisions that where we could prioritize the children um, because number two came along. <laughs> and then uh, it really, really changed. It really uh, shocked people when we then decided that we were going to sell everything and pack up in an RV and head across the nation with our two little kids. Just you just imagine my mom, she's like, oh, Nancy, she's working at a university. And and then, oh, she's a stay-at-home mom. Well, that's still good because mom's the best job. And and then all of a sudden, we're leaving society. We're like, nope, we're selling everything. <laughs> we're leaving the rat race and we're joining the road schooling team. <laughs> it was it was really shocking. We handle it by just being honest. We didn't hide anything. We were honest. We told them how we had talked about it, how we felt about it. That really touched people, I think, the most is how we felt about it. And um, they couldn't, there was nothing really left to say (laughs) after you tell someone, we are so excited about this and our energy and our excitement. And um, plus, we were researchers. We wouldn't make any decisions like that without looking into it. Yeah. 
again, just congratulations. It's so amazing. It's every step, these massive steps. You don't believe in baby steps. You believe in jumping (laughs) off of a cliff (laughs) into cold water, it seems. It's amazing. But I love what you're touching on with the feelings, because I bet not only did they connect with you, but I bet it actually struck something in them to really tap into their feelings. Because so often, again, we follow what we think we're supposed to do or what somebody says we should do, even if that feeling inside is, no, no, I don't want to do this. Even if we have those sensations, maybe not as strong as what you experienced, but there's a tight stomach or a tingling or something that just doesn't feel right, we often just push through or numb out. And the fact that you recognized it and then you communicated it so that other people can understand this is actually another way to live. We can actually truly follow our hell yes, follow what aligns with our values and create things that are very unusual. The way you're living is very unusual and absolutely magical and amazing. And you crafted that. This, This path did not exist. You have crafted that. You are definitely a trailblazer. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So how did you go from, okay, I want to stay at home from my kids to I'm selling everything and we're hitting the road. That's another big decision. How did that even come up? Um, It was this opportunistic thing. So Arlo and I, we've always uh, been, I, I guess our families, we grew up road tripping. And so we were used to this. We loved it. We went camping all the time together. We are explorers at heart. And so for us, we had this opportunity. I was home with the kiddos and... Uh, just working online a little bit with the university and he was working um, remote. And so he could actually be anywhere as long as he was close to an airport, if he needed to go to client site. So we just sat down one day, we even started brainstorming things like, Hey, what are the things we love right now? What are the things we wish were different? And what could we imagine for ourselves? And um, I remember reading a, I think it was a blog post or a Facebook group or something about road schooling. And the kids were only four and 18 months at the time. And um, it just was so fascinating to me. So we started like reading about it together. These families, they can go anywhere they want. Um, They drive around and they live in an RV and we had camped before. We're like, we could do that. Anyway, it just started the wheels spinning and we had so much fun researching it. And We really didn't feel that home was a place more, it was more of a feeling. And so we knew that if we were all together, we'd be home. So it didn't really matter to us that uh, we didn't have a house. So we said, why, why do we want this house? What, what does it represent to us? And it was really feeling heavy. We had gotten a lot of furniture. We had two cars. We, um, had the kids involved in activities. And at this time, of course, I wasn't working and we had budgeted before, but all of a sudden we were back into this keeping up with the Joneses thing. And we recognized that this was too much house for us. We didn't need all of these things. And so for us, it was about re-examining that, tapping into our why we wanted to have one income and have me be at home with the kids and reconnecting with that feeling again of wanting to make sure that 
we were able to do what we wanted to do and and also see the world and have them visit different places like different national parks in different states and things like that. We we're feeling limited where we were and there just wasn't enough months in the good weather months to see all the things that we wanted to do and to do it in an economical way. So we loved the road schooling community and we fell in love with it. We started asking questions and we got so much great information. So we were very inspired by that community. That's just so amazing. I'm very visual and I have a visual of your family standing in a national park and just laughing at society. Obviously, you're not doing that. But the idea that you're supposed to have a house, you're supposed to have cars, you're supposed to work hard, you're supposed to have this, um, you're not supposed to travel when your kids are young, all of these things that are just like almost a given in our society. And you just sat there with a big mark and you're like, nope, 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 not following any of these our way. And so it's just amazing. I, I, I want to talk more about that way of life. But you also brought something up that I'm really curious about that is so aligned with hell yes life that you're not living, not that you're not living moment to moment, but you're living so purposefully that you actually sat down and thought about what inspires us? What do we love? What do we want to do? Is that something that you and your family do on a regular basis that you actively plan what's next for our next, I don't know, quarter or year? Maybe I'm too much business that I'm thinking in terms of quarters. But do you actually plan, again, not necessarily just what country are we going to, but overall, how do we want to be living? Yeah, it's really important to us uh, to check in at least about every quarter. <laughs> I think I get I get that too from being a professor and being in business. And it is about every three months, it's this natural rhythm that it, it's that check-in moment, right? And especially with children developing so quickly, um, we do about every three to four months, we'll do a check-in. And it's really important for us because the kids, their wants and needs differ and change. And so do ours now as we've shifted and gotten older and that kind of thing. Um, and so it was something that I started when Arlo and I got together, actually, and we would just, I'd have him answer a whole bunch of questions. And with the kids, we started doing that. A lot of parents do that. Like, what what do they like this year? And that kind of thing. And it's continued. And I think it is one of the reasons we don't have as much stress and we really are connected to each other, like in tune with each other when we travel. Um, of course, it's not always perfect, but we have these tools that I've come up with to make sure that we can take a minute, a break, a breath and regroup and call it like, let's workshop it out. Hey, what do we need to do next? And it's been really, really valuable. Yeah, I can imagine. I I like to think that I live intentionally, and yet I haven't done that. I do the typical beginning of the year, and often that changes. I don't look at it. It just doesn't follow through. And the idea of doing it more regularly makes so much more sense because things do change. I've had so much change happen this year in a good way, but things that I couldn't have anticipated in January. And so planning once and then forgetting about it doesn't make any sense. And especially when you're aligning with a whole family it's such a beautiful practice because it sounds like everybody taps into themselves and has to answer the question and really get clear on what is important to them and what are they wanting at that point and then figure out how to make that work for everybody. And I would imagine 
Not surprising when the matriarch is a professor of communication, but I would imagine the communication skills in your family are outstanding as well because you're taking the time to listen and you're asking people to express themselves. It's clear that everybody's opinion is important. It's clear that you need to come together and come up with solutions. So are there tools actually from your communication days? I know you're still a communication professor, so I shouldn't say communication days, but from that world, are there certain tools that you've actually brought into your family? Absolutely. Oh, it's funny you say that because I think I talk too much for my family. <laughs> <laughs> but that's my learning, right? They reflect to me what I need to learn. Um, that we've set this great foundation for them. The rosebud thorn is a technique where you share, you just get used to sharing things. So we did this when they were really young and they would share a good thing that happened that day and they would share a challenge and then they would share like what they think they could do to help um, blossom it or help grow the or change the the challenge. So it's been really something that we've instilled at a young age and that we continue to do, but with different language. As we get older, we talk and we try as much as we can to always have that dinner together. And we do like table topics and we just ask questions that are um, maybe something that's come up that week or um, a new topic we want to cover in a new country. I've heard of the rose and the thorn before. I've never actually heard anybody go the next step and ask somebody or for themselves even think about how do I turn the the thorn into a blossom or something beautiful. And I I think it's such a beautiful next step of, I'm not just going to sit here and be frustrated or angry or whatever you're feeling. It's, oh, I actually can shift this. I can learn from it. I can reach out to the person, whatever the situation is. There's some way that you can probably find something positive in it or another way to approach it even. And I just think that's another, a beautiful add-on, especially again with a hell yes life. It's hell yes life is a yes end. It's this happened. How do I make the best of it? Or what am I going to learn? Or how am I going to respond to this situation in the best way aligned with my values, connecting to whatever makes sense in this moment? So I think that's a beautiful addition. So going back to the road schooling and now the world schooling, Can you explain what was that transition? So you sold your house. Was there a massive or maybe not even a massive, but what was that transition to, okay, we wake up in a different place every day. Was it easy or was there an adjustment period to living life in this very new way? It does take a while to transition because not only were we in the mode of selling the house and really paring down our things, honestly, we wanted to get rid of a lot of material things. We were feeling that need to do that, to shed those things and to feel light um, again and and have that freedom, that flexibility that comes with shedding those things. And so when we got this huge bus, we had never driven anything like that before. We didn't know about the poop tank, the black tank. We didn't know about any of that. And it was a little intimidating. We were supposed to do a dry run and take the RV and go and try it out, you know, and figure everything out. No, we ran out of time, of course. (laughs) (laughs) So here we were, we just packed everyone in. Uh, We just, I drove the kids and Arlo drove the big RV and we went to our first campground because our house was, um, we had to be out of it. And 
there was a big learning, probably it took about a couple months just to feel comfortable. But see, we, we do think about things ahead of time in terms of timing. So we really were mindful about making sure that wherever we went, we were there for two weeks to a month. So we actually stayed, we didn't run around and go from place to place all the time. We really did want to settle and it was important to figure things out, number one. So that's how we checked in to be sure, okay, what's going to work for you and what's going to work for me? What's going to be best for the kids? Um, Just so that we weren't uprooting them all the time. Now, the benefit of having your own home is you have your own home and the extra benefit for me, I could go to the bathroom if I needed to on the road. We didn't have to pull over Way to look on the bright side. Although I will say I was on a road trip years ago with my dad and I really had to go to the bathroom and he wasn't stopping. And finally, I said, you have to stop wherever we are. And we ended up at a casino and my stepmom and I went in to go to the bathroom. I said, well, we're in a casino. We should at least play a dollar. And I put a couple of quarters in. Nothing happened. She did. And she won $90. So there are some benefits to stopping on the road during a road trip. But (laughs) typically, I think you have the right answer there. So I'm curious now, you went from RV and road schooling in the U.S. to the leap of, okay, now we're taking it overseas and we're leaving the RV and all of our stuff behind. So that's another massive decision and massive change. Can you tell me about that decision and that process? Yeah, um, there's a little bit of a transition in there because we had settled, we decided after traveling around that we really liked um, Arizona. So we decided, you know what? We're going to be in Arizona. We're going to become sunbirds. We're going to leave when it gets hot and we'll be here when it's really nice. And that was perfect because we'd be gone road schooling for four to five months. And then we'd come back and be in this wonderful weather in Arizona and go to Sedona and go to beautiful Grand Canyon, all of that. And it was it was really fun because it was a great jumping off point. So after a while, our kids were homeschooling and uh, we loved Waldorf inspired school curriculum, which is more nature-based, letting the kids develop in their, in their own way and with their own interests. And so there were some Waldorf schools in Colorado and our good friend had moved there and we loved, we went and visited. We loved the school. We loved the area. So we moved to Boulder, Colorado and um, our friends moved with us. Our other friends were already there. So we had this wonderful community. And then, of course, two years later, COVID hit. Mm-hmm. Luckily, my friend and I, we were a pod and um, we did pretty well through that time. But our we Arlo had a dad. Um, his dad passed away during that time and my mom passed away during that time. Not related to COVID, probably cancer in both cases. My mom, for sure, we knew was cancer. And... All of the things that were happening with COVID, it felt it felt difficult for us, but we were in a pretty good space because we had already homeschooled before in a, in a very beautiful, good way, supportive way. And so many parents were struggling with all of that. Um, and we didn't want the kids to go back to school after they reopened. And our parents, we had just lost parents. We were going through a really tough time. And um, we said, we just realize life is too short. And what do we really want now? Do we want the kids? Yes, it was a wonderful school, but do we want them back in that situation? Or are we missing you know, traveling and experiencing different things? And so we did our little check-in again, and we um, really had to 
that was a difficult time. And we really had to think um, a lot about that because we had made this huge move to Colorado and, and did love the school and we loved our friends there. Um, but uh, we knew that we felt we were back in the place we were in Washington where we had this house again. And how did that happen again? Or we fell into that trap. And um, yeah, we really had to dig through that a little bit and talk a lot about it. And COVID gave us that time to do it. It's actually really, really good for us. And we all got connected again instead of the kids off to school and doing their own thing and us not really knowing what they were doing at school and them coming home tired and I'm having more frustration and stress in the evening. And, and that's a typical thing for um, parents when their kids are at school and they come back. But we hadn't had that before. So we had this contrast and we didn't really like what that felt like. And then COVID happened and we were all together again. We said, wow, I missed this. Like we all missed this and the kids didn't want to go back. So we just had this opportunity and we said, well, the kids are 11 and 14 at the time. And they were open to traveling. They really were interested in it. My husband now didn't have to travel even on a plane to client site. I was working part-time already as a professor doing my um, courses online and everything just fell into place. And we said, life is too short. We've been shown that and your life can be taken at any moment by anything. The world was showing us that too. And we decided to do it. And we said, I had been reading about world schoolers again on Facebook. Facebook groups are great. <laughs> but they, <laughs> I had been talking to a whole bunch of world schoolers who are doing it from all over the world. Thousands of families are doing this. And it was just so intriguing to me that could this happen? Could this be done? And um, so instead of road schooling, we decided to try world schooling. And yeah, and that was that was a big moment when we sat down and really thought about it together again and talked about it. Um, we had some big moments. I know everyone did, but that was ours. <laughs> wow. I'm so sorry for your losses. That must have been a, a really challenging time. So thank you for sharing that. And to then take that and shift it into something so positive. It's basically actually almost what we were just talking about with the thorn into the rose, right? You saw that life is precious and can be taken too soon. And so how do we want to spend the time? And you went and made something happen. You're living that rose right now. So actually on that, can you share a little bit about what world schooling is actually like? What has that experience been like for you and for your family? We started in September uh, of last year, and we started in Germany, and it was a soft landing for us. Arlo and I had traveled there before, and we knew that the kids would love it because of the Waldorf background and everything. Uh, Steiner was a German who started the Waldorf schools. And when we arrived there, everyone speaks English to a certain degree, but where we decided to go was the country. So we stayed like on a little farm because we really wanted to get to know the people. And that's part of our mission as a family traveling. We aren't just traveling to check off things off of our bucket list. And that's part of it, of course, but we're there for really connecting, learning about the cultures, learning about the people, talking with them, seeing different ways of doing things. It's been amazing. And it's been such a growth experience. 
we have traveled to France and Spain and Costa Rica and Italy, Greece. Usually we do a whole month at a time. We were in Costa Rica for three months, but we really try to ground ourselves somewhere, just one house so that we can have that rhythm back for our family, but also to get that deep learning and connection with people. One of the best moments that we had was in Italy. We connected with the grandma that lived upstairs and she didn't know any English, but she knew how to use her Google Translate. So she would talk into it and show me and I would talk into it. And she was wonderful. And one day I asked, I said, is there anyone who could give us cooking lessons? Uh, We'd love to learn how to make pasta and, and traditional pizza, that kind of thing. And she goes, well, I would. And so she basically bought everything. She wouldn't let us pay for anything. She was so excited. She even had her daughter-in-law come to learn how to do it. She goes, she needs to learn it too. So she gathered (laughs) all the things. She gathered the pots. She brought all the ingredients down. I kept trying to pay for it. No, 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 no. And we literally were like grinding using the noodle maker, like the metal one, it was coming out. It wasn't electric. It was a hand crank. And we made all this pasta together. And then afterwards she said, now you are family. And um, I know it makes me, (laughs) makes me cry because that's, those are the moments actually that are the most beautiful for us. It's not seemingly power of pizza or going to the, those are amazing um, in and of themselves, but these moments that we connect with the people and um, are become part of the family, that that to me is like the most meaningful thing. Absolutely. We travel in a very similar way. And when we say we, I mean you and I, uh, or your family and I, I'm the same way. I travel typically off the beaten path, slowly, history, architecture, tourist things, the things that people normally, or often, I should say, not normally because everybody's different, often will go explore are not the things I go to. It's all about connection to the people. And those are the things I remember years later, just the tea plucker in Sri Lanka who invited me into our home, the Shan minority person in Myanmar who invited me back to learn their dance and their singing, just experience after experience. You and I actually could talk for hours about the beautiful people and the beautiful experiences that we've had around the world. And I think there's this notion that the world can be scary and unsafe. And I actually feel much more unsafe in San Francisco than I think I have almost ever felt anywhere else in the world. The world is so connected. People are so full of love and heart and welcoming in my experience. And it sounds like in yours as well. And if we lead with curiosity, all kinds of doors open up, even just this weekend Locally, I was with some friends and we went into an art gallery and I started talking to the woman that was sitting there. And my friend said, oh, you're such an extrovert. And I said, no, I'm actually not that much of an extrovert. Just from travel, I've just become curious and I talk to people. I want to know what their life is about. I wanted to see this woman's art. I wanted to understand what was going on in the artist community there because we can travel essentially almost when we're home. We can tap into other communities, other experiences, other ways of being, even when we're home and get that similar type of exploration experience that we would get on the road. Absolutely. And I think that that's something to for people to remember as well. Yes, staying curious, staying open, staying flexible, just being open to different ways of being. And that doesn't take travel. That can be an attitude. 
you can cultivate every day. You can cultivate right now. Um, and kids can learn about other places and other um, countries through books and now YouTube and now connection in different ways, like Facebook groups even, or different courses. Um, and it gives them all this knowledge and information so that then they have a, a solid way of just looking at the world, maybe through a different lens. Like world schooling, sometimes some people say, oh, you have to be rich to go or only the elite can go, or only people um, who are who have a lot of money. But actually, we did sell everything. Yes, we keep that money aside. We use the money from our daily work to travel, and that's our budget. So we've sacrificed that for this life, and this life is more important to us. And I, there are many single moms who travel um, with their children and there are many other places to go in the world besides expensive places in Europe um, that people travel like Bali and Thailand and other places like that that are magnificent. Uh, Bulgaria actually is very affordable as well. Um, I think three bedroom, two bedroom for a month, about $400. Wow. Yep. Um, I think that's what we also are surprised about. I've done a, a ton of travel as well, but I travel on my own and you travel with your family, which are very different experiences in a lot of ways and both have positives and both probably have some challenges. But can you share just any advice you have, not just for families, but people in general who want to do some extended travel? And then if there's anything specific for families, yeah, just a, a couple of ideas on what you think people should know before they set out. Yes, definitely. Um, I think know yourself. Um know your limitations and really start to spend some time thinking about what you want your experience to be, but more importantly, what you want to feel while you're traveling. Is it a sense of adventure or is it that you're already this confident, brave person? And so figuring things out is not going to be an issue. Or do you have a limitation that sometimes you tend to get overwhelmed? What do you need then in that, in those instances? to help you be more comfortable when you're traveling, um, whether they're like apps or um, community. So getting online, learning about things from people in different countries. Uh, Facebook expat groups are wonderful groups because they're already living there and you can ask all kinds of questions. So just knowing yourself, knowing what you need, starting to do the research and not trying to see too many things or do too many things. Um, as you travel, I know a lot of people, and, and I think on vacations, you have a lot more energy because it's like maybe one week or two weeks of go, 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 go. And you can manage it. But by the end, everyone says they need a vacation from their vacation. If you really want to do it a little bit more longer term, you have to take a slow travel approach. And to me, I think it's the only way even to do a vacation to make sure you're balancing days that are off where you can just be and let whatever happens, happens like these interactions or um, to go for a walk and see where it leads you and alternate it with a day that's more busy, like a site that you want to see or um, an itinerary for the day. And I think that's really important to keep yourself healthy, but also to just let you enjoy the moment and be happy, feel that content, I guess. I know too many people that just try to fit so many things in to a travel week um, or maybe they have so high of expectations about something and then they're disappointed. But 
keeping that flexible, open, curious mindsets were really, really important. And then the children, it's the same way. And you have to connect with your kids. So like I, I've talked to people who the parents, they're leading the itinerary and they have the plan and they forget to think about how the kids might feel. And with everyone, we all like different things, but we know because we talk about it that, Hey, one day we'll do what mom likes. And the next day we'll do what Zane likes. So everyone knows that eventually they'll get to what they like and they have to compromise in that way. Um, I think that's, yeah, that's pretty much it. I think it really is the same information or tips, advice for both types of people. So people who don't have families and people who do. Yeah. And as you were talking, what I realized is that what you're sharing is actually not just advice for travel, but to me, it strikes me as really beautiful advice for how to live a hell yes life. So know who you are, know what you want. Don't make yourself so busy that your life has no space for something new to come in, for magic to occur. I understand if you're a single working parent, more power to you. I swear you're like another species. I don't know how you do it. So I understand that we don't always have the ability to to add space, but when there is ability, then you know, don't just cram in another plan, another event, another thing. I know people that go from thing to thing to thing. And to me, yeah, they may be having fun, but I do feel like they're missing out on serendipity that could happen or just a beautiful sunset or something that could catch their attention if they weren't just racing across town to get to the next event. Thinking about the hell yes life, again, I think you've hit on some really beautiful points. Is there anything else that you think from your experience that you think would be really important as people set out to build their own unique hell yes life? I think bottom line for me is is about bravery of not letting fear of maybe what you think might happen in the future or fear about something you read about in the past or maybe experience in the past stop you from trying something new or different. And it doesn't have to be as big as the things that we've experienced at all. Just one little step in the direction that you in your heart want to go without all the noise of everyone's opinions around you, without social media feeding into what you should be doing or what you think you should be doing. All that, just tune it out and tap back in and really listen, you know, to where your heart wants to take you. And then being brave enough, staying in the moment to not worry too far ahead or not worry about what's behind you, just staying right in the moment and taking just one step towards that. So not letting fear get in the way and just having people around you too who are supportive. If your family's not supportive or friends aren't supportive or they don't know why you're doing what you're doing, find the community that will support you. And having that is such a huge game changer. I absolutely agree with what you said. Courage and bravery are the core to living a hell yes life. You cannot set out on building your own unique path without it because fear could come up, doubt could come up, other people's fear can come up and you need that courage to keep on going forward. And to your point, one step at a time. Not everyone needs to be like Nancy jumping off of a cliff. It is perfectly okay to build your new life one baby step at a time. Everybody is different. Like my dad said, oh my God, he he told, he was talking to my husband, he goes, Arlo, so what does it feel like to be on the tail end of a tornado? I'm curious what his answer is. Do you know what he said? 
he was a good husband and said nothing. <laughs> I bet it's actually been very exciting for him. We we are good compliments that way because I speed him up a little bit and he slows me down a little bit. And we try to listen to that about each other. So it is a good balance most of the time. <laughs> that feels like good dating advice for me. Thank you to find somebody that's my balance. I just want to go back to the very beginning for a moment, since you talked about what it takes to build a hell yes life. And you have definitely built your own unique hell yes life the way I see it. When you were in your 20s, you were following a more traditional path and then you leaped and made a very big change and you've continued to stay on this much more unique path. How have you changed living in your own unique way? Yeah. I've changed in not worrying as much about what others think about me or what they think I should be doing. Um, I definitely have left that pride and ego, or I try as much as I can. It does come up, of course, uh, still. It's something that I'm constantly working on, but um, I definitely am more comfortable with my own decisions and holding boundaries also about what's important to me. Uh, I've learned that I don't have to do extreme things, even though this may seem extreme. There's so many people that are doing it, but I don't have to do extreme things for attention. It's it's for me. It's not for anyone else, but for me um, and, and the kids and my husband. Um, but for me personally, that's has been a huge thing, a huge change. And I've just been, I guess trying to be more real about we're all just human and but we need to listen to each other. I've changed in that way. I used to have a lot more opinions and be a lot more judgmental. And um, I'm learning more and more that being open and staying open and really trying to listen to people um, and understand where they're coming from. Thank you for sharing. I think these are things that we all need to work on. I think we probably work on it until our very last breath, right? To stay open, to not come at it from our perspective, to not judge, and to just allow. So one thing that I love to ask everybody on this show, because I think women are often taught to be humble and to not mm -hmm. brag. And I think that is nonsense. And I think we need to start talking about who we are, how magnificent we are, and what we're doing in the world. So I'm going to give you a chance to brag and talk about something that you are most proud of. What would that be? I am most proud of my nonprofit that I started back in Washington. It was when the kids were just little, little before we went on our road schooling adventures. And I was inspired to try to um, make sure that the kids understood understood how important it was to help others in our community and to give back. I started at a nonprofit called Spark Your Community, and it was to inspire families to volunteer together. And I would partner with nonprofits in the city of Spokane. And a lot of them, of course, didn't have children's programs. So I offered to coordinate the children's aspect of it. And I would talk with them, how could we do it? How could we create um, a project that kids could be a part of? with their families to get education about the nonprofit and the need in the community, but also to do something that was meaningful to actually put something together, um, foster children backpacks or 
care kits for children in the cancer ward in, in the hospital. We did so many projects with um, so many nonprofits in Spokane. And it was really a passion project of mine. I was really proud of it. And I wrote a book called The Little Spark That Grew. And it's about how one spark of kindness can ignite another spark in someone else's heart and how that can continue and continue. And if we continue to do that, um, it will spread across the world. And um, I really, I'm really proud of that because I think we're doing that as a family now. Congratulations. That is definitely something to be proud of. How beautiful. Now that you're not in Spokane, is is it still going or are you going to spark that up at another point? No, we've done like projects wherever we've lived. So Arizona and um, Colorado as well, but not in a formal way. So the nonprofit is not formally around anymore, but um, it's definitely something that my kids are interested in still pursuing, still coordinating volunteer projects wherever we go. Um, So who knows what will happen next with that, but we're pretty excited about what could happen. And now that you mentioned it here, anybody that's listening, maybe they can start something like that in their community. It doesn't even need to be a formal nonprofit. Maybe it's we're talking about leaping or just taking a step. Maybe it's just organizing one event, getting a community group together to organize that one event so you don't have to even do it alone. I love that idea of a spark of kindness. How beautiful. I think that's just a beautiful point to end. And I am so immensely grateful for your time today, especially taking the time out while you're traveling. I know that you have limited time in each place. And so all of this time is time away from your family. It's time away from exploring. And I'm so grateful that you chose to spend that time with us. So thank you very much. Well, you're so welcome, Zaya. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for tuning in. I really appreciate you being here. That's it for this episode of Your Hell Yes Life. I hope it inspired you to keep trailblazing your unique path. I have some fantastic episodes coming up, so don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get podcasts. If you want to help spread the Hell Yes magic, please leave a rating and review there as well, and share the podcast with your family and friends. Let's make this a movement. And remember, always be brave and true to your hell yes.